You're a mean one, Mr. Franz. You want our soaps are gone. You've taken away Pine Valley. You've killed our land view too, Mr. Franz. I wouldn't go near the chew or the revolution with a 39 and a half foot. <laughs> well, if that song doesn't give you some indication of what we're going to be talking about this week, just stay tuned. Hey, everybody, welcome to another edition of Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll, and we will leave the singing to the professionals, or at least to the contestants on American Idol. This week on the show, we are going to be looking back at the worst of 2011, all the things that happened in the world of soaps that we didn't really care for. There's nothing worse, though, than losing one of your favorite soaps, and in 2011, ABC announced that it would be ditching two of its long-running daytime drama series. All My Children has already left us, and One Life to Live will be going off the air in two weeks. So before we get into talking about the worst, which, of course, there's nothing worse than that, we're going to look at some of the other soaps and bring in our Two Scoops columnists to talk about the things that they didn't like. We're talking worst stories, worst casting, just a whole bunch of stuff so we can get out all of this ranting before the year ends and hopefully start off 2012 on a much more positive note. We are going to kick off this week's show talking about General Hospital, and we are rejoined by our Two Scoops columnist for General Hospital, Jennifer Biller, who's back to talk about some of the things that didn't work in 2011. And Jennifer, I have to imagine that you have a list. I do have a list. It's longer than Santa's naughty list, so we're oh, going to have to pare boy. it down a little bit. Uh, what okay. was your number one absolutely strongest disliked storyline of 2011? No question. And I, I think this is across the board with fans also. Brenda's return and the Balkan once revenge I think was the worst storyline of the year. Um, everyone had looked so forward to Vanessa Marcel returning to the role of Brenda, and it just turned out to be a huge bust. She spent the first few months of her, her uh, return without sharing scenes with anyone that we wanted her in a scene with, and then the Balkan was after her for revenge. It turned out she had a child with someone that we didn't even know, and she left after she married Sonny, declaring that she couldn't put her child in jeopardy, which made no sense considering that she had just married Sonny a few weeks prior. So it just was a disappointment, I think, for everyone. Her character was not true to the character that we knew Brenda as. She was sort of whiny and not feisty. It, the whole thing was just a bitter, bitter disappointment for me and a lot of fans. I think the thing that made it worse is that it spanned two years. It started off when she returned to the show in 2010, <laughs> and that was horrible. And then all of 2011, it wasn't really much better. I, part of me wants to say that on last year's Best of Worst of show, we were playing the drinking game and saying that every time they said the Balkan, people were supposed to take a shot. And uh, I don't really remember much <laughs> after that show, to be completely honest. It just went on and on and on, and yeah, I, I just was so disappointed with it and her behavior. It just she just wasn't the same Brenda that we all fell in love with, and uh, and again, there's been a lot going on, as you know, behind the scenes with GH, which leads me to my another worst moment, and that is the overall tone of the show has just been so depressing. You almost need an antidepressant prescription to watch it. I mean, we've they've killed a child. Jake, of course, died. They killed Abby. 
We're still dealing with the aftermath of Michael's rape from last year. Now we have another alleged rape of Sam. We're dealing with Sonny's child abuse for going on years and years. Luke's drinking problem. Now Lulu apparently has a new drinking problem. We're dealing with Robin's HIV. We had Shabon die. We've had stalkers in terms of Lisa and Franco. There has been little to no happiness in Port Charles this year. Well, one of the things, though, that seems to be recurring is that General Hospital has, for some time, been dark. It, it doesn't seem like there's anything that's really fun and exciting, maybe with the exception of Sam and Jason's uh, Chinese restaurant wedding, which I think was a fun moment. It really does seem like you're saying that for the past bunch of years. It really years. wasn't all that fun, though, Dan, because it was sort of had an ominous tone because Franco had his little cameras everywhere and these messages and the fortune cookies were kind of eerie. I just, I really don't see, the, the only humor and lighthearted moments seem to be Alexis and Diane drinking at Jake's or uh, when we get a Max or Milo scene, and, and that's and that's really upsetting to fans. I get tons of mail from folks who, you know, we watch soaps to feel good, and these GH is so dark lately that it's just, it's become a real effort, I think, for a lot of people to try to tune in with their box of Kleenex every day. Well, let me give you the opportunity then, as 2000. 12 rolls around what are some of the things that the new head writer ron carlovati and executive producer frank valentini can do to sort of write things and and you know nobody necessarily wants the show to become a sitcom but what are some of the things that can be done to make it less dark well that's a great question and i think it's easily answered i mean the basis the basics of soap operas love romance what, I can't even name one great romance in the story last year unless you count really Jason and Sam, and I'm not a big, big fan of that couple, but we need some solid romance. Mac and Alexis, we they have, what, one date a year, I think? <laughs> uh, Jackson and Carly were divorced. I think there's potential for romance. We need to see some love in the afternoon to steal the, uh, the term, but I think that would make fans happy. I think bring Michael back into the quartermains and get him out of the mob I think that would make fans happy. I think a return to the core families, which we have talked and talked about at length in terms of GH, we miss the Quartermains. We want to see them back. Folks don't like a lot of new characters. Focus on the people that we have. Get Jason back involved with the Quartermains. These are easy fixes, I would think, to get fans interested again. And, and I wrote this in a column not long ago, but... You know, there were a lot of fans of those core families back in the 90s, and I think you can get those fans back if you return familiar faces to the screen instead of all the new folks that seem to keep coming into town. And I hate to end on just a, a downer note, and maybe we'll edit this out of the co out of the show, but who knows. <laughs> what do you feel going into 2012, knowing that there's this dark cloud hanging over the show called Katie Couric? Well, I'm nervous about it, obviously, because I feel like, you know, so many soaps have been canceled this year, and it's very, very upsetting for someone who's been a fan of the genre for more than 30 years. And I am also hopeful, though, because they have made a lot of new changes behind the scenes, as you know, um, writing and all, all the way up the ladder. And I'm hoping that those folks can talk to fans, visit some message boards, and get an understanding of what people want when they watch soaps and try to bring that back so that folks will start tuning in again and get the ratings back up. Um, so I, I'm an optimist, so I'm hoping for the best. Well, we are hoping for the best as well. And speaking of the best, your columns, like all of those of the Two Scoops columns, 
are just the best. So, Jennifer, I want to thank you not just for writing about General Hospital over the past year or so, but for As the World Turns and for everything else that you have done for the site. And hopefully we won't have to be talking about anything bad when we do our best and worst of for 2012. Thank you, Dan, and I hope that you are correct. We'll put some positive energy out there. It can't, Save the soaps. <laughs> it can't hurt. So thank you so much for being a part of our two-part best of worst of show. Thank you for having me. In spite of winning its third consecutive daytime Emmy in 2011, some fans have said that maybe The Bold and the Beautiful didn't have its best creative year in 2011. We're now going to talk about some of the worst moments in 2011 on The Bold and the Beautiful with our Two Scoops columnist, Mike. Mike, welcome back to Soap Central Live. Hello, good to be back. Well, last week you seemed to struggle a little bit. You had to have a list to come up with some of the things that were the best of The Bold and the Beautiful. This week we have the worst of 2011. Is it that hard for you to come up with stuff to talk about for this week's show? Well, how long do we have? <laughs> We've got about five to ten minutes. <laughs> oh, that all? Okay, I'll just have to cover the highlights. Well, you know, the thing is, I mean, it's like when you watch a good friend marry somebody that you don't approve of or, you know, or do something that you know they can do better. And that's kind of how I felt about Bull and the Beautiful this year. I love the show. I'm loyal to the show. But they just went in some really strange directions and um, also kind of felt like they were phoning it in in some places and... I'm just hoping 2012 will be a stronger year. Well, I haven't seen your list of worst moments, and your column that highlights both the best and the worst will be posted on January 2nd. So I'm just going to guess a little bit, and I'm thinking that maybe one of the worst moments for you had something to do with, oh, a tropical fruit. Oh, my God. Is that number one? Did I, did I win? Yes. Yes, you win. You win that one, hands down. I was going to save that one for the last, but yeah, the berries. Oh, my God. Brad Bell, what were you thinking? Well, he said that he crafted last year's uh, storyline involving Skid Row and the homeless by driving on his way to CBS and seeing that every day. So I wonder so what, what, he had a fruit salad and decided berries would be a good <laughs> idea. You know, I well, I don't know. Uh, we'll have to ask him that. But what about the berries? I mean, it sounds nice. Tropical berries. Who doesn't yeah, love a nice... Yeah, think. It was just... Well, the, the whole first thing, and this is all part of the worst, is is pushing the envelope with the whole Brooke Thomas flirtation. Now, you know he only did it because it was going to upset people, including me. And, um, you know, I don't think that's really a good reason to tell a story is because you know it's going to be upsetting. It's one thing to be controversial and edgy and all that stuff. But, you know, the fact that, you know, Brooke is Thomas's stepmother, it's just like, okay. And so, you know, they go through the whole taboo thing, you know, for, what, four or five months, Taylor's freaking out, you know, there's all this drama going on, will they or won't they sleep together, and then you send them off, you know, on this plane trip, and like I said, the plane crash itself uh, was a good, strong story point, but to stick them on a deserted island, that was okay too, but then to suddenly have them trip on these psychedelic berries in this CGI wonderland, and they wake up and, oh, ooh, did we have sex? Did we not have sex? Gee, I don't remember. And, and it was mostly what came after that, you know, the, the whole thing of 
having Stephanie make Thomas lie that he actually did have sex with Brooke so that he could get shares of the company. And that was a character assassinating moment for both Stephanie and Thomas. And then, of course, to have Ridge instantly dump Brooke and go running off to marry Taylor, who bought this. She's a psychiatrist. She should know he was rebounding. It was just like, what was going on with all of that? And it was just really... I mean, you know, you've been following soaps as long as I have, if not longer, that, you know, every show has their clunker stories, you know. Mm-hmm. But I would have to say, in my 25 years of watching soaps, the, the Berries was probably the worst story I ever saw on any soap anywhere. Wow, that is certainly, um, I was going to say high praise. That's low praise, but... You know, <laughs> well, if you're sure. going to scrape the bottom of the barrel, you might as well go all the way, but um, it'll, yeah. Yeah, it'll be anxious to see what uh, soap fans think when we do the SoapCentral.com Dankies Awards, which will kick off in January and find out what soap fans vote as the worst storyline of 2011 on the bold and the beautiful so let's take the berries out let's you know let's take out anything that you might find in a garden or farm (laughs) (laughs) or grocery store (laughs) deserted island you know what else what are some of the other stories or or news developments just anything in general that also sticks with you as some of the worst moments of 2011 well there's a lot of uh, i'll make a little quick list I, i felt they ruined bill when he um when they had him trying to kill amber and then, of course, you know, having an affair lit with Steffi and just kind of, I don't know, they, they, just, they just took a really cool character and kind of messed him up. I, I really, pulling my hair out over the Steffi-Liam-Hope triangle because five seconds before Steffi was all into Bill and suddenly she hit, you know, she's in the bathtub and she decides, oh, well, I almost drowned, now I'm going to love Liam. And that didn't make sense. Um, Liam just turned into a twit. But really, the, the whole thing with the Bold and the Beautiful that's you know, lamentable right now is that they're rushing through everything. I mean, they throw together fashion shows in one day. People suddenly get divorced, suddenly get into relationships, suddenly get married. There's no build-up. There's no investment. It's all tell and no show. And I know that people's attention spans are, you know, a lot shorter than they used to be. But still, we, we, it, it's a daily soap. We have a little bit of more time than you would in a primetime show or a movie to get hooked into these stories. And they're just rushing through it. I mean, in the in the course of three weeks, you had Jackie and Owen getting divorced, you had Pam and Stephen breaking up, and you had Donna and Justin getting a divorce, and it was all kind of off screen. It's like, oh, well, we just decided to break up. Okay. You know, and, and that's the really sad thing, is that they come up with some really good ideas, but they're just foisting them on us. And then the other thing is, they're bringing up a lot of interesting things and then dropping them. There's a lot of missed opportunities. I mean, the whole thing with Bill wanting to take over Jackie M so he could get back at Forrester, they brought that up, and then they left it alone for three months and then and then dropped the whole story. Well, Mike, I want to thank you again for another amazing year of Two Scoops columns. Hopefully we'll have many more Two Scoops columns to come. So thank you, and hopefully in uh, about another year we'll be talking about best and worst, and you'll have more best than worst. Yeah, I seriously hope to be sitting here talking with you about how good the show was and how what an amazing turnaround there was. I, I'm looking forward to that. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Well, that's what Mike had to say about The Bold and the Beautiful. So was The Bold and the Beautiful 
not having its best year last year. It's time to find out from Mike's cohort in Two Scoopdom, Allison. Allison, welcome back to the Bolt. <laughs> welcome back to Soap Central Live and the Bolt and the Beautiful. Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me. Okay, so Mike was just telling us that he thinks that this has been one of the worst years for the Bold and the Beautiful in recent memory. What about you? It was it was a pretty stinky year. <laughs> I mean, uh, it was very, very, it's very hard to get past the berries yeah. and the island and Brooke and Thomas and the fantasy. I mean, I love your CGI effects, but that was just a ridiculous storyline. Skirting with incest, I mean, it really, it was very unpleasant to watch. And I guess the it was sort of like a theme throughout the year because that wasn't the only thing that was really bad on Bold and the Beautiful. Oh, wow. we, also had, we also had the hom- homicidal Bill. I mean, it's like, come on, Bill. You didn't like Amber because she was saying that she was going to have Liam's baby. Did you really have to contemplate killing her? I mean, <laughs> couldn't you just pay her off and send her away? I mean, I thought that was veering way too way too much into, you know, Alfred Hitchcock territory for me. Well, last week on our Best of show, you were talking a little bit about how the Bold and the Beautiful's humor may have gone a little too far and maybe was coming a little campy. Are we talking that it was becoming like passions, or was it nothing quite you know, that bad? Nothing, nothing's as weird as passions was, let's face it. I mean, <laughs> that was really over the top. Yeah, really. But, it, you know, there were a lot of... Uh, storylines here that seem sort of, you know, they started and then they just abruptly came to an end. I mean, you had Steffi madly in love with Bill, uh, Bill ready to leave Katie, then suddenly Katie gets a little pain in her heart and Bill sees the light and Steffi, you know, the next thing you know, within like a week, she falls to the bathtub and falls in love with Liam. I mean, that's a little abrupt. And then they're up on a mountain, she's planning a wedding, Hope is chasing them. The whole—I mean, how many times did you take a drink when they when they used the word gondola? Well, I normally, you know, folks who listen to the show know that I do not drink the adult beverages. But thanks to your two scoops column, I did start playing with water. And in ten minutes of the bold and beautiful, that's all they were saying is gondola, gondola, gondola. I know it's ridiculous after a while. And then, of course, you had your dumb marriage of the year, Donna and Justin. I mean, yeah. what was that all about? And uh, and then, you know, let's not forget, too, we also saw the reemergence of not only the evil Stephanie, but the manipulative, nasty Stephanie. I mean, for her to have done what she did to Thomas, to twist his arm into lying, and to bribe him at the same time with shares of the business. I mean, why are they passing around the shares of this business like it's, you know, confetti? Are they crazy? I mean, how is it possible that this business, Forrester Creations, after all these years, how anybody could have control of the business other than Eric and Ridge is beyond me. They're the two designers. All we have to do is say, we're not going to design anymore. Take your shares and screw you. Yeah, I think the only business that was run worse in 2011 was ABC Daytime. Oh, my God. Well, yeah. And you know what? We could all teach those folks a thing or two about subs, couldn't we? <laughs> we probably could. So hopefully you haven't vented all of your range because, of course, as folks who listen to the show know, you also write the Two Scoops column for The Young and the Restless. So do you have anything that you need to get off your chest about 
the young and the yeah. restless in 2011. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. This is like therapy, Dan. This is like therapy. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. I'll send you a bill. All right. <laughs> I, we gotta do something about Phyllis. You know, Phyllis needs to really be put away. I mean, I've never known a character who gets such joy in writing such villainous material about the people she supposedly loves. I mean, and now they've given her this long-lost sister, which may or may not have a backstory, we're hoping. But we can't talk about Young and the Restless without mentioning the volcano. I mean, <laughs> come on. I was trying. People, <laughs> you know, people and, you know, the volcano tour, that's one thing. But for Victor to hide out and let Sharon, you know, trying to save Skye, let her fall into the let Sky fall into the volcano and then let Sharon take the rap for it was just beyond belief. You know, and now you've got Victor, I guess he'd finally come full circle. Now he's turned into this complete martyr that he's going to take the blame for Diane's murder because he's fully covering up for Nikki. Give me a break. And when it gets, when, when I, I can't let you go without saying that as much as I appreciated that Genevieve was brought onto the show. It was a great casting of Jeannie Francis. They wasted, absolutely wasted, Maura West as Diane. What's the point of bringing a, an Emmy-winning actress, I think a two-time Emmy-winning actress, on the show and giving her nothing to do and making her the victim of a murder plot? Horrible. You know, that is one of, I think, my worst casting decisions of the entire year. It's certainly not anything that I put on Maura West. Uh, she can do no wrong. She was great on As the World Turns. There was really no sense in even recasting Diane if you're going to bring in someone like Maura West only to kill off the character. What was the point of that? I mean, I could have done that. Just, you know, give me a cheap wig and, and, some exactly. other, and, and a dress. What? And, you know, up until the very end when they, you know, came up with this murder, she had created so many en enemies and so many people who wanted her dead, and she was twisting the story, and so she was double-crossing and triple-crossing, and it was just ridiculous. It just looked like I felt so bad for her because she had such good material on As the World Turns, and she goes to Young and the Restless, the number one soap on CBS, and they just didn't give her good material to work with, and that's just a sin. What are some of the things that you'd like to see the Young and the Restless do in 2012? Well, I really think that it's time to address the situation between Victoria and Billy and settling this baby issue. You know, they're a really good couple. It's really, you know, I, I, it, you really want to see them have a happy ending. And, you know, we finally have reached the point now where they're together again and they're talking about having a baby. I'd like to see that delved into more, more seriously. I also would like to see more resolution in the uh, Tucker-Devon relationship and also to see whether or not Tucker can actually be a good husband to Ashley and whether or not that's going to work out because I really like those two together. I think, they're, I think they're really good. I've always loved Stephen Nichols ever since his Days of Our Lives days, and I think he works great with Eileen Davidson, so I'd love to see that go somewhere positive. And, uh, and I guess if they can find a way... You know, they brought Kane back from the dead, presumably because they wanted to stay on the show. Give him a storyline. Give him something to do other than just moon over Lily. Please. <laughs> and wait, I got one more for you. Okay. We got we gotta we gotta do something about Catherine. I cannot believe what they what they did with her during that whole Tucker 
accident, brain injury situation. She was horrible. I mean, that's not the kind of mother I would ever expect Catherine to be. She certainly isn't that way with her other children. Why on earth does she treat Tucker with such disregard? I mean, if I was him, I wouldn't want to have anything to do with her either. (laughs) Well, the good news for you is that apparently there are thousands and thousands of fans who do want something to do with you because they read your column each and every week. Back and forth from the bold and beautiful to young and the rest. So I want to thank you so much for another great year of columns. Hopefully you'll continue writing for 2012. Wonderful. That's what we'd like to hear. Thank you so much. And thank you to everybody who reads and keep reading and certainly keep watching. If you listen to our Worst of 2010 show last year, you'll know there was a lot of talk about a bad penny. I don't know if there was a bad penny on The Young and the Restless this year, but I think there's only one way to find out. That's to bring back Two Scoops columnist Nita to talk about Y&R in 2011. Nita, was there a bad penny that came rolling back into town in 2011? Well, let's see. I don't – well, I guess (laughs) – I hate to do this to you, Malcolm, but I guess if there was a bad penny for me, it had to be Malcolm. Why is he the bad penny? Well, and I think that he actually probably came back before – this year. Maybe he came back the end of the last year, but he just had more of a storyline in 2011. Well, he's the bad penny, first of all, because they brought back this Malcolm, and if you followed the other Malcolm, you're like, who is this person? Because this Malcolm was tingly and belligerent and just in your face, and that is not Malcolm's character. Malcolm was just, he's a smooth ladies' man. He's laid back. I guess he, he had his moments where he had a temper, but this guy, um, he just did not bring it. You know, he, he felt wrong for the part. He, he talked. He had the slang, but the slang didn't sound right coming out of his mouth, maybe because he looked too old to even be saying those type of slangs. But I think what the main thing with the Malcolm is, as as it got more into the storyline, we could clearly see, no, we're not going to do a who's the daddy storyline between these two brothers. We already did that with Drew, you know, and we didn't like it then, and we really didn't like it this time. Nobody thought that Neil would even go for Sophia. You know, it's just like we've seen the type of women that he's always gone for. And the, the, the scribes did not do anything that made us believe that they suddenly had this such a yin for each other that he would betray his brother again, <laughs> you know, because it's not like he hasn't kind of done a little something like this with one of Malcolm's other girlfriends. I think that it was just more that they did not really show them enough. They they would throw, I mean, we saw them arguing about the gravy, who makes the best gravy, but you really didn't get the sense that um, Sophia had this big yin for Neil or vice versa. You know, and, and it's so when suddenly it's like she's so in love with him and, and he's going to just sleep with her. And, 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 of course, it was the most awkward sex scene I've ever seen <laughs> in the history of Young and the Restless. In the corner of the couch with the blanket, you know, Young and the Restless doesn't roll like that. So I think that it was just a combination of the character. It just didn't fit for whatever reason. And the storyline, it wasn't believable. And it's even less believable now that Malcolm is out of it and we know Neil isn't madly in love with Sophia and he's probably going to have a fling with Harmony. So that would be my pick for the bad penny. Well, there are, you talked about in that storyline that this is something that 
has been done before, there have been some suggestions by some other fans that there are other storylines that played out this past year that were in some way, shape, or form done before and that they may have been sort of revisiting storylines from the past. Were there any other storylines that you felt were recycled and just maybe, you know, we talk about everything being green and you should recycle. Well, were there any instances where you wish that they hadn't recycled some stories? I, I'm not sure where they're going with this Patty thing. I, I was cool with Patty as the killer, you know, I, I, even bringing her back, you know, Young and the Restless, no one dies on Young and the Restless. They, <laughs> I guess they don't even go away. But when they brought Emily back, I, I, I hadn't, I've been purposely not reading spoilers so I can be surprised for a while. So I, I didn't know that Emily was going to appear. And then that makes me think, please say that, Emily and Patty are gonna. Patty's gonna steal her life again. I, you know, I'm just hoping that they're not gonna go there again because it, I didn't enjoy it the first time around. I thought it was very not believable because I'm just kind of thinking that someone that you've been kissing, you know, and suddenly it's a new person and you're not gonna know. Gee, something feels wrong. So I think for for those two, I'm hoping that they're not going to revisit. The Emily Patty switcheroo, or any other kind of switcheroo. I really don't want to see someone come back with someone else's face, you know, and like a plastic surgeon could really make someone look exactly like someone else. I kind of have to agree. So rather than having our show, even though it's the worst of, end with a down note, particularly since 2011 was not a good year in the world of soaps with losing two of our favorite shows, what are the, some of the things that you're looking forward to in hoping that 2012 goes a little smoother? Well, I think mostly I'm I'm interested in all of the new pairings. I think that Young and the Restless are, and most folks probably can have a sort of a feel of, hmm, we're getting a little incestuous here. You know, we've got mothers and daughters sharing guys and, you know, men with the two sisters and things like that. But uh, at, towards the end of the year, I've noticed that Young and the Restless are trying something different. I, 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 I'm getting into the pairing of Nick and Avery and, and you know, Phyllis is not my favorite person still. She continues to be my least favorite character, but I'm liking her with Ronan. I think, you know, they're they're a good match and, and then the odd pairings, I'm I'm looking for some friendships like Jill and Gloria. The their their last scene, I think last week, was just absolutely hilarious. I loved it. You know, they they do have a chemistry. And I figure if they're not gonna give Jill a man, well then I'll enjoy the friendship between Jill and Gloria. I'm enjoying Tucker and Ashley. And I'm also looking forward to seeing where they're going to go as far as um, Harmony, Debbie Morgan, whether Harmony and Neil are going to make that threesome with Sophia. And then I'm looking forward to the Tucker-Devon thing. You know, Devon just needs to lighten up a little bit, but I am looking forward to see if they can build a, a new family dynamic with Kay and Tucker. And that's if Kay and Tucker can ever, you know, get along. I don't know. Maybe that might take two years before that happens. <laughs> Nita, I want to thank you for... Everything that you've done over the past year, all of your wonderful columns, and hopefully you'll be sticking around in 2012 and you'll be providing us with much, much more in the way of not just bad pennies, but maybe even some good pennies or good nickels or yeah. good quarters, whatever they are. <laughs> well, that's my plan, and you know, I, and I, I do have to say, you know, thanks to the fans because. 
that, you know, we, we write these columns and, you know, there are opinions and we try to include their opinions too. But I just, I really appreciate, you know, the fans that write and tell me they enjoy the column or, you know, it gave them a laugh. You know, it's like, that's, that's my hope is, you know, it's all in fun. And regardless of what I might say, I love the show. I've been watching it. I'm not stopping. So. You know, I just want to put a big thank you for all the, the people who continue to come to the site and read what we have to say. Well, I think that no one could say it better than that, and I think that's a perfect way to end for this segment. So thank you, Nita. Thank you very much, Dan. I've enjoyed it. Last week, we gave out donuts here on the show to celebrate the best of days of our lives. Well, Tony and Larissa are back to talk about, well, Tony, how would you put it? What are you back here to talk about this week? I would say the worst, and for a lot of people who are going to think, okay, that was kind of January through September, but we've narrowed it down to 20 categories, so, you know, we've managed to narrow it down, and we'll take it from there. So, you're telling me that nine-twelfths, everybody out there can do the math, go ahead, go ahead, three-quarters of the year were not so good? As as Lars said, I think the very first uh, Alex North Award, it's not a criticism, it's a room for improvement. Oh. So there's definitely, there was room for improvement during that period. One of the things that we, we started off with last week's show was talking about the reboot and, and how that was such a good thing to bring back some of what Days fans really like in the show. Was there anything about the reboot that maybe fell into your not-so-good list of 2011? Well, last week I talked about how I really liked what they had done with the Horton tree and the tree in Horton Square and kind of using Alice's memory to really capitalize on what made um, the Horton family great. And the flip side of that for me was the bad way to use Alice's memory, Mm -hmm. which was having these obnoxious storylines where she was keeping secrets from people and hiding clues in Horton tree ornaments. I mean... That's just blasphemy. I can't believe they did that. So I think that, for me, the worst part of the reboot was maybe, to be honest, a little bit of the carelessness with which they dealt with Alice and her memory and and um, and, and kind of the whole spirit of the Hortons altogether. I didn't really like it. Well, Tony, if it had been any other character, would it have mattered as much? It's just the fact that it's Alice, I'm guessing. Yeah, it's just Alice. Like, the, the woman had open and honest text on a, or embroidered on a pillow. So, I mean, it just it didn't sit right. And I actually just gave a this analogy a couple weeks ago when I was on the train coming home from work, and there was this fragile old man hanging onto the bar. Like, nobody would give him a seat. And I was kind of just, like, standing there ready to, like, swoop in and catch him if the train jerked and he fell. And that's, like, the same uneasy feeling I get when they, like, bring up Alice and, like, these horrible secrets. And you're just like, no, no, just don't do that to Grand. She, she made donuts, you know? It's like... One of her ingredients in her recipe was love. I mean, come on. Well, like, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. You're talking about keeping secrets. Are you trying to tell me that you guys have communications outside of the two scoops column? We no. may. <laughs> Wait a minute. All right. So I need to get more details on this. What, uh, Larissa, what have you been talking about uh, otherwise of things that maybe over the past 12 months just didn't work in Salem? Well, we do talk a lot about the end-of-the-year awards, and um, just so that everybody is aware, we we try very hard. We have some rules about the awards. Tony and I cannot pick the same winner 
for an award, and each character can only get one individual award, just so people know, so that when they go to the column, we really try to cover the whole year and not just focus on, you know, one thing that we especially did not like. And for example, I think that that's a good thing, because otherwise, poor Chloe and her stint as a prostitute would have got a lot more attention, but... That will make the list as one of my worst storylines, and it was just, you know, to take this character that, for all intents and purposes, was a pretty veteran character on the show. She, you know, she grew up on the show, and she'd been there for a long time. For her to all of a sudden be kind of tricked into and kind of just, she just wasn't smart enough not to be a prostitute. I can't believe I even said that, but that's, you know, kind of how it turned out, and it just didn't work for me. Well, so, lucky for her, she can only win that one award. Are there any characters that, for some reason, you just couldn't get behind in 2011, other than, you know, by hook or by crook, Chloe? Do <laughs> um, we just want to say in unison, Taylor, and get it over with? Or? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. I, can. I think oh. we can all agree. And she's actually a really good example of an actress that I love, but a character that I could not and I tried so hard um, and yeah I mean she's just hard I mean she, Taylor was a hot honey best from the beginning of go and, and, never and, got better. and really two two Emmy award-winning actresses played her and neither one of them could I mean not by any fault of their own just couldn't capture the character half of the problem with Taylor too is like she should have been and was going to be the person in Nicole's corner and it was just a point she was never there. It yeah. was just, you know, she fell for this guy who, by rights, like, you know, Nicole was emailing her every night telling her how horrible she, he was and how bad he treated her. And, you know, you get the shock value of the storyline of that aspect of, like, falling for the wrong guy or girl. But it just, it was too much of a, wow, you just, you know, you literally, like, caused my sister to go to jail, but yet, you know, I'm in love with you. Okay. Yeah, and they pretended like she had to pretend like she didn't know who EJ was, like she'd never been to SoapCentral.com and read his profile. I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, we're talking about the worst here. Uh, let's try not to end on an absolute bad note. There have been a lot of Days of Our Lives guests here on Soap Central Live over this past year. I'm just wondering, do uh, for both of you, do you have a favorite uh, guest appearance? Was there a favorite day's interview that's taken place here on the show? <laughs> Tony. Tony, you want to go first? <laughs> oh, no. Well, we, we both agree that Nana is probably like our favorite. <laughs> Nana is not a you. star. She is not <laughs> a star. <laughs> do, not, do not tell her that and do not tell her it's I that because we absolutely adore her. But, yeah, but I guess if you're talking day star that we see every day on the screen, like, I loved your interview with, um, with Renee Jones, Lexi. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was fun. It was just fun and cute, and she's such a, like, she's such an endearing person. So January 2nd, the week of January 2nd, is when your Alex North Memorial Awards come out. So that's what fans can expect. It's uh, should be, I'm guessing it should be a good time, or I guess a bad time, depending upon how you're looking at it. But <laughs> what I really appreciate is that you guys don't do what uh, maybe on some other internet websites people do, where they tear down. You are, as you said, you really do show where there's room for improvement rather than uh, just being so just patently negative that people wonder, yeah, gee, why am I watching this show when I don't like this character? So I appreciate that uh, you guys set a really good example for what maybe other folks should be doing. 
Well, thanks, Dan. Yeah, thank you very much. Nana paid me to say that. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why we love Nana. (laughs) I want to thank both of you for all of your contributions over the years. Hopefully next year you'll be back. Hopefully we'll have only good things to talk about in the world of soaps. But in the event that there are some things that we have to talk about, hopefully we can also have some fun with the downside as well. Absolutely. Yes, looking forward already, so... Well, thank you, guys, and uh, have a happy New Year. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, too, Dan. In 2011, there was no bigger news story in the world of soaps than the cancellation of All My Children and One Life to Live. Obviously, for a generalized story, that is going to be the worst of 2011. There are some storylines on the soaps that didn't work out as well, but we'll get to that in just a little bit. So let's focus on the One Life to Live angle of that. We're bringing back... Michael, our Two Scoops columnist for One Life to Live on SoapCentral.com, to get his take. Michael, I'd have to imagine that um, there's no uncensored version for this, but let's talk about the worst. The worst of 2011 has to be the end of One Life to Live, or at least the the cancellation announcement. Uh, Let's go back to April. Twice. 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 Uh, Just in case once wasn't enough. So let's go back to April. What went through your mind when you heard the cancellation announcement? Did you really believe that it was forthcoming, or did you just think that was one of those things that it would just be a rumor that was hanging around out there? No, unfortunately, I had a feeling it was coming. I'd heard something about it beforehand, and I had a, I, like a month or so before, and it was very clear that and the message was very clear that yes, they're taking both of them. It's going to be very soon, and General Hospital will follow. And I don't care what they say about General Hospital right now. General Hospital is not the air next year, period. Well, there were some things that were delivered on One Life to Live over the past 12 months that, well, maybe they didn't quite work the way that they were intended to. What would you pick as your least favorite storyline of 2011? That is a good question, and it's a difficult one. Uh, don't have to be anything with, with uh, the Fords. Easy. <laughs> Easy. Just anything oh, in general? Right. Not even anything. specific? I don't care. It doesn't matter. Does it really matter? No. Okay. So, first of all, you have poor James. I don't even... Most of the things I want to say about poor James, I can't say on the, on the phone call. But that being said, you know, he's, he's, he's the least offensive one. And there was a whole porn storyline. I don't understand. I don't understand how you keep a guy on the show after that. I don't know why they said, yeah, she has to have a boyfriend. Daniel has to have a boyfriend. It doesn't matter. We just did a storyline where he he did some sort of underground porn film, but it's cool. He could stick around. Who cares, right? I mean, really? And then and then you have, then you have the the top man. You have you have Ford Singular. Or you have you have Robert Ford. Uh, it's bad enough that he's named after uh, an assassin. He killed Jesse James, right? <laughs> right. That was the, the coward Robert Ford. Okay, so this guy, I don't understand. I thought only Todd could do this, but apparently. He can rape someone, and then it's great. It's cool, you know. Let's just let's, let's, let's melt the romance a little longer. I literally thought he'd be dead by now. I'm amazed that he's alive. I, I pray for his death every day. It <laughs> wow, that's a very strong that reaction. That he's alive. I can't watch anything he does. I just pretend that the baby is Brody's, and I just see that's how I live my life. Like, like I, I pretend that the minute the show goes off the air. There'll be some sort of animal attack. <laughs> and, by a beaver, maybe. <laughs> you know, 
he'll be killed by animals, rip, he'll rip them apart, and then, you know, Marty will show up and say, sorry, I screw with the test that's another thing. That's another thing. Let's go back. Marty, what was that? I don't understand. First of all, I don't know why she was been crazy, and then they didn't do anything about it. She killed her doctor, and it's cool. And then it's like, well, we don't have enough time to tell this story, so how about we just give her a happy ending anyway? And then it wasn't even Torsten K. It was some dude in the back of his head. Why was he there? Why was he the person? I'm sorry, this is getting really divergent. You're just going to have to go with the stream of consciousness, because this show has been a real mixed bag. It's, why was he there? There was, there was the CIA prison. It was, first of all, out in the swamp, which I don't... I'm, I'm not buying that. But he was he was like a stunt devil with like the back of his head is like, don't worry, third horn, Thor and I, we're going home right now. And so you have poor Susan Haskell, her last scene is, where she doesn't even see Roger Howard, her last scene is uh, you know, her rushing off Patrick. He's totally there, guys. God. And then, let me see. All right, where, where, let's, what else is there? Uh, oh, the Gigi storyline. Yeah, I don't need some. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't talk about that. Well, we have also have to say something for the column. Uh, how about, well, we've, we've gotten a mouthful from you there. Uh, is there any one character that maybe you disliked more than others, other than taking the Fords uh, out of the equation? You know, let's see. So many to choose from. <laughs> um, well, you know who's pretty boring is, is Aubrey. Jesus, God, she's boring. I don't know what she's still doing there. Who is she? Is, 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 like she maybe maybe she's the daughter of what Katrina Carr, right? That was the guest. Be like, oh, her name's Carr. Maybe she's the baby from the old storyline with Jenny Wallach. I hope so, but it doesn't make her that interesting. Who is it? There was one other person I really hated. It wasn't Aubrey though. Was so, who, so, I, see, we're not going to. I'm not going to finish this call and then remember who it is. It's not Tomas. Tomas is just boring at times. Oh, it's easy. It's obvious. John. Very easy. John. John Sue, I still hate after all these years. John. I don't understand this. He, okay. He has, they've been, they've been together on and off for eight years. They have a child. There's a baby. There's an actual live baby. It's not like he can pretend it's not there. He still can't get the words out. He's like, oh, I don't know. Do I, do I love her? Do I not? Should I get some flashcards and get other people to do it for me? Are you serious? How old is he? 42 years old? He still has the same haircut that he's had since Port Charles. He can't, uh, he can't get the word out that he actually still loves his poor Natalie. I, I, that really upsets me that you know, she's going to go off with him and he still can't really string words together after eight years. But whatever, that's fine. That's what I, that's what annoys me is that uh, you know, I'll take Jared's, Jared's corpse. They can take Jared up like they did his Nash. They can get some sort of horrible dummy some sort of horrible, desiccated corpse dummy like they had with Nash. Remember that? I'll take that. I don't care. I'll take it. Well, part of the purpose of this show was for us to be able to purge all of our negatives from right 2011 now. and try to start fresh in 2012. And I know that there won't be... There's no tomorrow, so this is it. <laughs> there won't be a whole this lot. This is what you got. But, um, you know, hopefully this is this gets out all of the all of the negatives. So I want to thank oh, I you. Could, I could be here for a while. Here. <laughs> I want to thank you, Michael, for taking time to you know, do the year-end here. I will. I will say this. You know, there's there's all sorts of things I can bitch about, but for the most part, we've had a better year than a lot of these a lot of these shows, and uh, I've been very happy with a lot of things. And yes, it's a mixed bag, but that's frankly, there's been a lot. They've been mixed bags for many years. The show, even the ones we remember very fondly. Uh, so I've had a lot I've enjoyed. Uh, there's the Todd storyline. There's 
a bunch of stuff with any number of characters. There's been Boanor and so on, and some stuff with Vicky and Dorian. Uh, it's been a good time. Regardless of any number of things I could bitch about, it's been a good time. And that's made me, that's made me really happy. So it's going to be a real surreal experience over the next couple of weeks. Well, thank you so much for taking time out to talk with us today. No problem. I don't think I would be overstating if I said that for me, there was really only one thing in the world of soaps this past year that was horrible. That, of course, was the announcement in April that ABC had decided to cancel All My Children and One Life to Live. All My Children is the soap that got me hooked on the rest of the soaps and the one that really gave me an appreciation for everything that goes on in daytime with our, our wonderfully talented actors and the folks behind the scenes that maybe don't get the credit that they deserve. So rather than hear me talk about that and hopefully find a way to get through that, I'm going to bring back our friend Richard Sims, the executive editor of Soaps in Depth, to sort of do the morning with me about All My Children. Richard, it wasn't a good year on uh, in daytime in terms of canceling soaps. No, it, it really wasn't. And, you know, there's just, there's nothing pleasant about it. There's no positive spin you can put on it. You know, there was a time when I kind of was hoping, I was hoping never in my life have I ever hoped so badly to be wrong as I did when, you know, when from the beginning I kind of was suspicious of Prospect Park. And, you know, if, if the cancellation of All My Children was bad, the double cancellation of All My Children was even worse. You know, getting everybody's hopes up, getting everybody excited, and then ripping that Band-Aid off again. Uh, it, it just it just was so painful. And, you know, when even some of the, the most, the hardest thing about it was hearing in talking to fans, whether on the podcast or listening to other shows, hearing people who had been so hopeful because they've been, you know, the carrot had been dangled in front of them, and to just hear the dejection in their voice, and just to have them realize that, you know, yeah, they'd lost it twice. That that was devastating. That was just, it was almost cruel. It, it was just really kind of borderline cruel. Well, creatively, when all my children ended, it wasn't unbearable. It wasn't hard to watch, like maybe some programs have been in the past. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that there weren't some things that I didn't like. I will share them. I have more of them coming up in my Two Scoops column of things that, well, just didn't work. I never cared for the character of Maya Mercado. I didn't like the baby swap as, as, as a concept. I didn't really feel anything for the character. I didn't understand why. Anytime you have a story where there's a, a baby that ends up for adoption and someone with a nice, loving heart takes them into their home, you know it's never going to last. It happened with Liza when she uh, adopted Bailey's child, and then you had uh, Maya dumping the, the kid in a cardboard box, putting in a cop car, and then later having this big change of heart, and, oh, I want to be a mother now, the baby loves me, blah, 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 and breaking Jesse and Angie's heart all over again. Didn't like the storyline, didn't like the character, but as I said last week, Debbie and Darnell somehow managed to turn it into gold. They were the Rumpelstiltskin of bad storyline straw. You know, I'm going to say I actually kind of came to like Maya. Oh. Um, I thought not. Now who's the Pollyanna? Pollyanna. I know, I know. <laughs> not necessarily the character, but I saw the potential for the character, and I liked the actress. If I had a weak spot there, it was Mookie. And I'm telling you right now, future writers, 
if you ever are thinking, you know what this story needs? It needs a little Mookie. Think again. <laughs> because there is never going to be a story that needs a character named Mookie. I'm 99.9% sure of it. But the other kind of dropped ball for me, I guess, would be, well, or the other bad thing I, would be dropped balls, and that didn't sound right, but we'll just keep moving. Um, for me, for example, I really felt like there was a lot of chemistry between Caleb and Crystal. And I thought, okay, as we're, as we're moving clearly towards having Erica and Jackson end up together, you know, why don't we move Caleb and Crystal together? And in the end, instead, it sort of looked like Caleb and Liza out of nowhere were getting together. Mm -hmm. And it just, you know, Bobby Eakes is such a good actress, and Crystal has been so abused on that show yeah. for so long. Just, just, you know, they never knew what to do with her. And when they finally started showing some really great potential, with I, I really liked the idea of a triangle between Jackson, Crystal, and Caleb because I thought, you know, let's let Jackson see, have Erica see what it's like to be on the other side. And there was so much chemistry between both Jackson and Crystal and Crystal and Caleb that it just seemed like a natural, but it went absolutely nowhere. You talked about Caleb. There's something even more that was dropped in there, is that Caleb and Dixie never had a scene together. Ever. This is someone oh, that she's right. related to, and outside of the fact of, let's say they didn't want to pursue a romantic relationship with anyone for Caleb, well, at least let him meet his, what, cousin, his niece, whatever, uh, I guess would be cousin. They're backwoods people. They're backwoods people. Who knows? Everyone's Who knows a cousin. their real relation was. Uh, but <laughs> they were probably former lovers. <laughs> Asher is probably, she's probably Asher's real mother. Well, while we're talking about worst, a lot of people were not particularly thrilled with the doppelganger storyline of Jane and Erica. And outside of the fact that, okay, maybe it wasn't believable and it was over the top at times... Uh, one of my two scoops columns from the year gone by was called Double Your Lucci, Double Your Fun. I don't mind seeing more Susan Lucci on screen. And, of course, right now, I would give anything to have some Susan Lucci on the screen. I can't put that in my worst column because I'm one of the few people who, yeah, it was, you know, a predictable story and it was stupid. And, you know, it just so happens that Jane is also, you know, four feet tall. And, you know, there, there were a lot of issues with it. But... There were a lot of things about it that I liked. For me, the weaker spot was the inability of for them. They took so long to figure out what they wanted Kara to be that the character just got lost. I liked, I loved Kara and Tad. I absolutely loved them. I thought Lindsay Hartley and Michael E. Knight had such great chemistry that I frankly didn't want Dixie to come back. I really, really didn't. But... They brought her on. They didn't really have a strong vision for what they wanted the character to be. And then when they finally did stumble on something that worked, and I do believe they stumbled on it with her and Michael E. Knight, it, I loved it, and then it was yanked away from me. And I think a lot of fans also really enjoyed the chemistry between um, – they were a fun couple. And so I hated having that taken away. Mm -hmm. I got that they had to do it because, you know, God forbid they end the show without reuniting Dixie and Tad. But for me, I really would have rather seen them keep Kara and, and Tad together. Well, Richard, I want to thank you for all of your contributions to Soap Central Live over the past year. Hopefully we'll be able to continue them in 2012 and that you'll be back on the show here sooner rather than later. I'd love to. You know you can have me anytime you want. And with that... 
we'll come to the end of not only this week's Two Scoops Look Back at the Worst of 2011, but also the last episode of Soap Central Live for 2011. It has been an amazing 2011. There have been some amazing guests here on the show, and you're actually going to get to hear that next week on a special edition of the show. On January 6th, it's a look back at the second year of Soap Central Live, a look at our memorable guests, the outrageous moments that have happened here live on the air. It's going to be something that hopefully you guys are really going to enjoy because (laughs) there have been some really, really great moments. You know, none of this would be possible without your support, the support that you've shown for now two years here on Soap Central Live and 17 years on SoapCentral.com. I'm hoping that I'm able to return, even if it's just a small portion of that love to you guys, by bringing on the guests that you want to hear, by allowing you to speak to your favorite stars, by taking your phone calls live on the air. It's something that I enjoy doing, and hopefully it's something that you guys appreciate as well. As we come to the end of a year, I really want to take this opportunity on behalf of everyone at Soap Central Live and at SoapCentral.com to wish you, your family, and your loved ones a safe, happy, healthy, and extremely prosperous 2012. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, everybody.